1: Hello, everybody out there, and welcome to a special bonus free preview of the first episode of our Blab About Batman, the animated series, podcast miniseries. Hello, everybody. I am Bob Mackie. I am always surprised by the amount of nicknames you can give someone named Charlie, who's here with me today. <laughs>
0: and hey, it's me, Henry, and I could go for some meatloaf right about now. Mm.
1: And that's right. If you are not a patron, you do not know what you're missing out on, pal, because we are currently unraveling a new podcast miniseries behind the $5 paywall at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. I set it up for But once again, it is Blab About Batman, the animated series. Within that miniseries, we are talking about our 10 favorite episodes of Batman, the animated series, using the patented Talking Simpson style with clips and research and everything you've come to love about our Mm podcast. And it's
0: just our most recent miniseries out of so many others. We have over 100 episodes of previous Patreon-exclusive miniseries covering shows like King of the Hill, Futurama, Mission Hill, and The Critic. And now our newest one is going to be coming your way every Friday at Patreon dot com slash talking simpsons
1: that's right if you sign up today at patreon.com slash talking simpsons you'll get to hear the rest of this episode and also a new episode every friday throughout the rest of 2021 that is 10 episodes in total along with our extensive back catalog of podcast miniseries we've been producing over the past four and a half years that is a lot to listen to if you are currently not a patron
0: yeah in fact you get it when you sign up this month you'll also get the Talking Futurama brand new in the middle of the month as well. So that's already an extra bonus you're getting if you sign up at that $5 level at patreon.com slash
1: Talking Simpsons. So thank you so much for listening to this brief preamble. We'll let you get to this free preview of our Blabin' About Batman, the animated series episode, all about the episode Joker's Favor. Enjoy. everybody and welcome to Blabin' About Batman the Animated Series, the number one podcast among crooks, weirdos, and geeks. I'm one of your hosts, the Wheatloaf Enjoyer, Bob Mackie, and this is the Talkie Simpsons Network's exploration of Batman the Animated Series, who is here with me today. Hey, it's Andrew Yelbert, and it is to laugh, eh, Mr. B? And today's episode is Joker's Favor.
0: Oh, very funny. A million laughs.
1: This week's episode aired on 9-11, 1992. We have nine years. We're safe. And as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history.
0: The latest reports say that the wave of foolish hysteria is moving down 7th Avenue towards the financial district. (laughs) Holy news, Bobby. Frank (laughs) Zappa plays his final concert. Blade Runner's director's cut
1: is released in theaters, and
0: Dr. Mae Jemison becomes the first African American woman to travel into space.
1: Wow! Lots yeah. of big news. Again, this is a this is a safe 9/11. Yes, yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. have nine years yeah. before the Joker's ultimate trick. Oh God! It was re- it was, it was him. Along. That's my conspiracy theory. <laughs> uh, Blade Runner was actually re-released in the theaters in 1992.
0: So uh, the director's cut got its uh, VHS release, but related to that, it had a small, you know, like art house mm. play of the director's cut, and I think this is the first of many 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 director's cuts of it i Hmm. think uh, i believe it was uh, 25th anniversary so that would be 2007 is when i saw final cut of blade runner in theaters uh, when i uh, was still new to the bay area
1: Hmm. and uh, the other news was frank zappa playing his last concert now Uh, I only heard about Frank Zappa through his death because both Matt Groening and I think like uh, the people who made Duckman were fans of Frank Zappa. Obviously, his son was on Duckman, so two shows I liked had Frank Zappa in memorial cards. Uh, I I
0: mean, like Groening was more than a a fan. He was a friend. He he brags all the time about, like, oh, I went Frank Zappa to this or that. Maybe
1: even MST3K had one, too.
0: I think so. I I think to that generation of, of Gen X dudes, he was everybody loved him. They thought he was a, a fun uh, guy who was like very artsy and impor- self-important. Like,
1: yeah, it made yeah. me think I should get into Frank Zappa, and I listened to a few songs, and I said, "This is not for my generation."
0: Uh, but yeah, he didn't know. I maybe he did know it would probably be his final concert. He'd he would pass away from cancer a year later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was in Germany and apparently, at least according to the Wikipedia, he got a 20-minute standing ovation. He so, went out on, on top. Yeah, and I guess I wonder if before or after that is when he recorded his part as the Pope in that Powdered Toastman right. episode.
1: Save me. Yeah. <laughs> is that what he sounded like?
0: I I think so. I think so. I think and, so. and
1: what's this astronaut news that we have?
0: Uh, well, I mean, it's just, you know, back when, back when we sent people into space all the time on the Columbia. And the uh, government paid for it. And the government paid for it. Oh, yes. I mean, I in a way, say. we are
1: paying for Amazon and uh, other people to go to space. Yeah,
0: except now it's like not even really space. Like, Dr. Mae Jemison should be like, no, I went to fucking real space 20-something years before you did. That was Uh, not
1: that Bush (laughs) League suborbital crap.
0: Yeah, yeah. Also, like, I even looked into this, like, in the aughts, you know, dudes went into space to the Russian space station all the time, but that, of course, the American media doesn't count that as like, oh, the first Mm. rich guy in space. Like, rich guys were paying to go into space to the Russian space station tons of times.
1: they They made fun of mirror they're yes. like that crap yeah. in space yeah. i know i well, bet you... it's stupid and wrong <laughs>
0: all the all these xer and boomer news guys they can't let go of the uh, the space race stuff mm-hmm. and has to act like america's still number one in it when we uh i mean we're not we're number one in a lot of things mostly bad
1: so that is what happened in history on 9-11 of 1992. <laughs> yes. uh, we're, we're down to our last 9-11s we can celebrate.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's,
1: it's no longer, uh, it's not a dark day in history yet, but it's a bright day in history today mm-hmm. because we are kicking off our Blabbin' About BTAS animated series. Sorry, it's a podcast series. We're just going to be very animated on it. Yes, yeah. Um, and yeah, this is our Fall 2021 miniseries and uh, it won the poll. Mm-hmm. So thank you all for voting for it.
0: Sorry, Duckman. Yes. Better luck next time. He'll get
1: his day one day. <laughs>
0: uh, but Batman Beats Duck Man as always in the Battle of the Detectives. It's true. Yeah. (laughs) And we've covered Batman the Animated Series quite extensively already in our podcast careers. Mm-hmm. So it, it totally makes sense that this would win, you know, our our very first What a Cartoon podcast, Batman Heart of Ice. Yeah,
1: and it was our first What a Cartoon movie as well. Yeah,
0: The Mask of the Phantasm. Yes. Yeah.
1: And I will say because of that, I will not be covering the origin of the series on this podcast. If you want to hear all about it, check out the Heart of Ice and Almost Got Him podcast on the What a Cartoon feed.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch of behind the scenes info on that one
1: and yes we'll be covering 10 episodes in total up until the end of 2021 and these are chosen by henry and myself we each chose five there was no other scientific process (laughs) we just each went with our guts and there was only one overlap in our own choices and this was it
0: right yeah yeah this was the one i mean it's like what there are so many great jokery ones in here you know like we for example i almost picked laughing fish but this is a better it version is. of that and also Laughing Fish is it's one that's like so taken off the page from a comic that I feel this is cooler because it it doesn't take as much inspiration from a comic page. I, I think the only one of the ones we picked that is super off of an old comic book page is The Demon's Quest, but mm. that's cuz like the Rachel Ghoul. I felt like I had we had to do the Rachel Ghoul, but but yeah, the interesting thing is that our 10 episodes cover the the gamut of the seasons very well we do five from the first huge chunk of episodes Three from the second chunk of episodes and two from the smallest chunk of Mm -hmm. episodes. We're
1: covering all three eras of the show. And it is fitting we're starting with this one because it is the TV audience's introduction to the Joker. Mm -hmm, This mm -hmm. is the first one that aired starring the Joker. Production order does not matter with this series at all, by the way. No, no, no.
0: no. I mean, yeah, in production order, well, it's like this same thing happened with Tiny Toons the year before from the same production company where their first stuff in order, a lot of it like looked, crappy because mm-hmm. it's the first ones that make it looks worse like for, for example the first joker episode in production order is Ooh. christmas with the joker which yeah. is a fine written episode but kennedy tunes and it was just not on the same page as Batman the animated series
1: yeah I mean it's kind of striking when on when you rent the DVDs I think it goes like on leather wings and then Christmas with the Joker Yes, like two episodes on very different ends of the Batman animated series spectrum Mm
0: -hmm. I I, even though this is the opposite of how we do with Futurama I prefer we're doing the air order Mm -hmm. on this one for sure
1: yeah there was never an intended order it was like okay what is coming in from Korea or Japan what Mm -hmm. can we air
0: what's done now out of this 65 episode order Because, you know, sometimes with these 65 episode orders, it's all done right at the start. But a lot of the time it's like, well, we've got 20 right now. And in six months uh, or three months from now, we'll finally have the rest of them done. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So as we do with these miniseries, we do writer's corners and director's corners for all the new people we run upon or run across in this uh, podcast. And we have talked about him before, but our writer for this episode is Paul Dini, who is synonymous with Batman at this point in history 30 years later.
0: And it was funny. I I looked up some old interviews with him and he's made it clear like growing up, he loved all these like adventures and mystery stories, but he actually thought Batman was a little scary for him as a Mm. kid. So he wasn't a huge Batman guy growing up. Uh, but, yeah, the I, I did a little bit uh history on him recently, too. If you guys want to hear me talk about Paul Dini uh, related to his He-Man work, you should listen to uh, my appearance on the Gayest Episode Ever podcast, where we covered one of his episodes. He wrote uh, what I would say is the gayest episode of He-Man they ever did. But, uh, but yeah, Paul Dini, uh, he was one of those guys who's like, worked on a million 80s cartoon shows that it's it's crazy to think he went on to any prestige because it was such just a factory back then. And uh, his earliest work was starting at filmation as an intern. Uh, some of his first scripts was on junk like Gilligan's Planet. And uh, then he moved over to Lucasfilm in the early 80s or mid 80s to help with the development of droids and hmm. Ewoks. And he said he really liked working with Lucas. And you would think that like, oh, uh, Lucas set up a shop in L.A. But as he told it, he's like, no, that was we went to Lucasfilm in uh, up in Marin County in, in Northern California. And he's lived there for a time helping develop the series. And also in the 80s, he wrote, like I said, He-Man, Transformers, G.I. Joe, Smurfs all the things you did in the 80s as a work a day uh TV cartoon writer. And yeah, he said the first time he worked with Bruce Timm was at a uh, real crossroads for a million people who would matter a whole lot in 90s animation the 1988 beanie and cecil reboot series right
1: uh, so many things spun out of that like ren and stimpy the simpsons and tiny tunes yep from yeah. all those creatives
0: and bruce tim was one of the five directors on the series and uh and T- deanie worked with him on that series and so T- tim and deanie like a big chunk of the beanie and cecil folks moved over to tiny tunes and and under the new Warner television umbrella, and that's where he worked a lot with Bruce Tim and Eric Radomski, including on the Bat Duck episodes of ba- of Tiny Toons, which showed they all loved Batman. And-
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a crazy thing to me that shows just the amount of chances these people were given based on their success is that they just gave Tiny Toons people the right to make Batman. I yep. mean, their pitch for it was amazing. Yes. But they didn't say, let's get a Batman guy in here who knows about Batman. They're like, no, we trust you. Even though you make a funny cartoon about like pastel colored bunnies, <laughs> you can also make Batman.
0: It's um really crazy to think about because they're doing, you know, they're doing a new set of Batman cartoons soon in, mm-hmm. in the style. And Tim's working on it, but it's still partnered with, you know, JJ J. Abrams and his Bad Robot Company, which I'm uh. like, they don't fucking need this. And also Bruce Timm, when he was like 30, co-created Batman the Animated Series with Radovsky, and Dee Dee was in his early 30s too. But now it's like no, no, no. We can't trust this to Cartoon Boy. He's got to have J.J. Abrams babysit. He's a visionary,
1: even though he made one of the worst movies on public record. Yeah, he in the past decade he kind
0: of killed Star Wars. Like, or they had to just make it a TV series and pretend. Then J. Abrams' movies didn't happen.
1: I I will stop complaining about this, but I feel like we're being gaslit about that last movie where it's like, no, no, uh, you you still like Star Wars. You still like it, remember? uh, That last movie never happened. Don't be mad. Yeah,
0: you pretty much just have to. Just think about The Mandalorian, okay? Don't think about... He's pretty cool. He's got a helmet. Uh, And uh, Luke Skywalker shows up at the end of that. Isn't that great? Like, It's totally fine now. Anyway, (laughs) you know, G. McCurdy, she orders it. Tim and Radomsky pitch it. And they need 65 episodes in 18 months. And that's what Dini says, why he was like, how... In in an old interview, he was asked, uh, how did it happen? And he's like, well, the short version is they needed 65 episodes in 18 months. And so, uh, Dini was one of the story editors for a batch and wrote a shitload of episodes. I'd say he was second only to Alan Burnett as the most important writer, in the in the room and he showed what his skill was in the series, which was finding new ways of writing classic villains. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah.
1: And so much is happening at WB at the time. This is the silver age of WB. There are so many things in productions. Tiny Tunes is ending its Fox run. It's ending its run period. There'll be mm-hmm. a few more things after that. Tasmania is happening. Animaniacs oh. is in development. Things are being made and Batman is starting.
0: Yeah, it's it's a crazy time there. Like they that is them ramping up like Honestly, it sounds like they're doing more in a year than when Disney was doing with their TV stuff. They'd already overtaken it production-wise. I I always forget in the, like tiny tunes and animaniacs world the tasmania just sits there in the middle of it no we're like as a full production series as well yeah like
1: 65 episodes there's yeah. a ton of it
0: i mean it, it definitely it's still a little smaller scale than tiny tunes and sl- you can tell it's a little smaller budget but not by that much still a
1: full orchestra you yeah know, scoring and, every episode
0: uh but yeah dini shows that his real skill is with the baddies like he that batman had this amazing rogues gallery beforehand anyway but paul dini Found, like, you know, this uh, this uh, one simple trick it be every <laughs> Hollywood writer. But he made the villains interesting and have yes. them have, like, a tragic backstory. Made them cool.
1: And he wrote Heart of Ice, right? Yeah. The first one we covered.
0: Heart of Ice is the real template for it. And the Joker's not a guy who needed fixing in that way. But I do think about um, what he gave to the Joker. Lots of people write the Joker in lots of ways. Like, Frank Miller's Joker is kind of a drag queen in love with Batman Hmm. like Grant Morrison's Joker is he's like a punk rock Sid Vicious type who's just crazy and as he told it at this uh san diego comic-con panel i saw in 2008 paul dini was asked what makes his joker the joker and he's like he is the world's greatest bully like he is he's the comedian the mean comedian who gets up on stage sees the person who wants to be mentioned the least in the audience Hmm. and focuses on them which is the
1: protagonist of this story that we're going to talk about
0: it fits this episode perfectly
1: and uh like i feel like it needs to be mentioned because we're older people we're getting older we're almost four Oh, no. in that uh this episode obviously the series as a whole starts in 92 The Joker is about like seven or nine episodes in. The Joker is old news. Mm -hmm. New news is Penguin and Catwoman. The Joker was 1989. Who cares? Now it's always like, where's the Joker? (laughs) Who's playing the Joker? When's the next Joker movie? And the same thing with Harley Quinn. But at this point in history, the Joker was not as cool as he is now or as popular.
0: You know, when people think about the the Adam West series, like Joker, we all think of Joker as number one, but Riddler was the number one villain Mm -hmm. on that show. Everybody thought the Riddler was the cool list and Joker was secondary but now it's I I mean Joker has been number one for a long time since I think Mark Hamill really made it oh true truly the number one spot
1: for sure and Riddler gets so few episodes on this series it's mm-hmm. a real inversion of 66 Batman
0: well you know if you're watching 66 Batman Riddler and Joker have so much in common anyway like if if Joker overtakes the series like if you can't find a specific thing that makes it a Riddler story then you should just go like well if it's like a guy like mm. with elaborate plans that that are dr- overly dramatic and tricks Batman. Just make a Joker. Why, why are you wasting time on the Riddler? I
1: think uh, Frank Gorshin vamped as much as Mark Hamill does mm-hmm, in the Joker role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Uh, any more Paul Dini facts? I mean, we uh, talked a lot about him on this network. I think he even wrote like the Freakazoid episode we did. Yeah. So this uh, the Batman show is an interesting transition for him. So... Tiny
0: Toons wins Emmys, and he gets his first Emmy on Tiny Toons. Batman wins Emmys, and Batman becomes so big that he pretty much stops being a workaday guy for everything, and he's like, no, 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 I'm just in this DC world. I'll work on Batman. Once Superman starts up at Kids WB, I'm working on Superman and Batman at the same time. When it's time for Batman Beyond, he helps redefine that too, uh, and then after the return of the joker i think it really is he kind of leaves the dcau like Hmm. he doesn't work with with bruce tim as much as he did before and the rest of that group as he did before like he he'll write an episode here and there of like the justice league show but he kind of does his own thing like he works on uh either personal projects like his original Uh, comic co-creation Jingle Bell which if you look her up it's like well that's just Christmas Harley Quinn but um, but uh, he also uh, was (laughs) like Christmas Harley
1: Quinn goes to summer camp
0: (laughs) Uh, but he also like was a showrunner of the Duck Dodgers uh, series in 04 Uh, plus he was working on a ton of superhero films that got lost in development hell like he was working on a Batman Beyond live action thing until Batman Begins came out and they decided like nah that's what we're doing with Batman
1: you know one thing that really annoyed me about doing research about this show is that uh, uh, Tim Burton was always very dismissive of this show. Oh, really? And I think he was mad that they used the theme ah, for Batman Returns for the show. That's bullshit. But it was really all about Danny Elfman wanting to get TV royalties. So he mm. conspired to have his theme be the theme to the TV show to get money for every time it aired. It was and a Danny Elfman plot. That
0: was really smart of the Elfman. And maybe, yeah. maybe too, that was Elfman getting back at him for taking away his voice acting as uh, Jake Skellington, Jack Skellington. Yeah, I guess
1: they were on The Rocks at that point, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, maybe, you know, or else uh, maybe he did this first with the soundtrack and then Burton's like, you know what? I don't think you should be Jack Skellington's uh, voice anymore. Mm. You're just going to sing it.
1: This is what caused the fight. But, yeah, <laughs> Tim Burton, kind of a jerk about this show. Yeah,
0: that's bullshit. I mean, that shows you like he doesn't. He he was maybe seeing like he lost the spirit of Batman, like that these guys understood Batman more than him. But uh, And, yeah, and then in 2009... Uh, He kind of left DC entirely and he was working on like he actually worked on some Marvel cartoons like Spider-Man and the Hulk, but his vision of Batman the animated series would persist under him on the Arkham games like he's a writer on Arkham Asylum uh, us also has story credit on Arkham City. And not visually, but if you play those games, they are very much this world with a lot of the same actors.
1: And I've pointed out before, but uh, he plays Dr. Gene Splicer on Tiny Toon Adventures. Yes. Uh, It's a caricature of him. I don't know if he does the voice, but Mm. because of that, because there are so few villains in that world, that guy's in every one of those old (laughs) video games. So you can fight Paul Dini in the old Tiny Toons games.
0: (laughs) And he's also, I mean... Clearly, fanboy and freakazoid is going yes. to look like him too. Uh, since then, he's he's uh, in the last few years he's lost a bunch of weight. Uh, he is you know happily married to a magician that l- he can live out his Zatanna fantasy in real mm. life. Uh, and yeah, unfortunately though he hasn't written a lot. I think it, I've never seen this publicly, but it definitely seems like him and Bruce Tim don't work together anymore. Mm. Like they work together a lot, and they don't anymore. And I can't say why, but like he's there's been all these Harley Quinn things. He didn't work on none of them. He has created by credit. Like if you go to IMDb, you're like, oh, look, he's uh, got uh, credit on all these Harley Quinn things that have happened the last five years. It's just a created by credit. He's not a writer on any of them. I wonder
1: what's up with that. I don't know. I mean, I think he and Tim have different uh, views as to the direction things should be going with Batman.
0: Sure. Yeah. I think. uh, Well, I think Deanie. You know, but the synthesis between them is so good. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I think I, I, I think they're both horny in different ways for the Batman universe. <laughs> we need two you know? different
1: kinds of hornies. <laughs> one horny for magicians, one horny for double butts.
0: Uh, oh, the, oh, the infamous double butt. Yes. I, and I will, the uh, last thing I'll say about Dini and his time there, I've said it before, but people really should read it. Uh, if you want to see a story about his time working on the show uh, back in 92 or 93, Paul Dini's autobiographical comic The Dark Knight uh art by Edward Rizzo is about a traumatic event that happened to Paul Dini while working on this show mm. and it's uh it's very interesting if you if you'd like to see a, a book a very honest and raw kind of story from Paul Dini upset during the time of working on this series
1: so I want to talk about the director of this episode he is not held in the same esteem as Bruce Timm or like Eric Radomski but he is a major part of this show his name is Boyd Kirkland oh yeah uh, unfortunately he did pass away a decade ago at the age of 60 but he was a major influence on the show he directed 24 episodes wow. of the show in the wow. Fox era he was a sequence director on Mask of the Phantasm and he was the director and co-writer of the Sub-Zero movie which is very very good
0: oh yeah man that's uh, he's yeah the Sub-Zero movie rules like he's he is definitely one of the top directors uh the animated series had
1: so how he got the job is very uh it's very easy to explain kind of boring he saw tiny <laughs> tunes was like oh my god warner i want to be there especially if they're going to be working on this batman series i heard about so he went there and got hired yeah, because he has mean. a very long history in animation <laughs> yeah
0: okay, he's he his bona fides were hard to uh to turn him down i guess
1: yeah he did work on a bunch of crap though as most people did before the mm-hmm. 90s so well yeah i,
0: I don't yeah. blame anybody for uh, having i said with uh, with dini as well it's like if you worked in the 80s you worked on crap that's you had access to <laughs> which is
1: why he started in 1977 as a layout artist on scooby's laugh olympics i think ah. one of the better shows
0: yeah i mean of the hanna-barbera output in 77 probably i think so at least it, it was the avengers endgame of, yeah. of
1: hanna-barbera it was the Jellystone of its time yeah. uh so yes he worked at hanna-barbera up through the early 80s uh, he started jumping around studios. He was like a layout artist on a ton of different superhero and superhero adjacent stuff like Thundar the Barbarian, the 81, 82 Spider-Man series, the Spider-Man oh. and his Amazing Friends series that we covered, uh, the Incredible Hulk, and G.I. Joe, and also did a lot of Mormon and Bible animation right oh. before this show. Oh, well, So right. he could be a Mormon. I couldn't <laughs> find any info on that.
0: Uh, I mean, or, you know, you just take, just like Art Klobke, the that Christian money pays
1: the bills. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is his first role as director on this series, really? Yes, and after oh. this, he would go on to be a writer, director, and producer on X Men Evolution, another previous what a cartoon. Ah, yes. Uh, apparently, he was the writer and creator of the Year 2000 Lobo web series. Whoa. Which I have never seen or heard about, but man. apparently it exists.
0: I should check that. I'm a fan of the main man. I should check that out. I really don't want to sure go it back. Looks bad. I'm yeah. Sure it looks
1: after bad. we watch those critic web episodes <laughs> from the same era, I don't. I never want to uh, go back.
0: I would think at least Boyd Kirkland can uh, at least get like strong posing in there to make it look like a good slideshow if it's if, even if the like uh, budgets shit on it
1: and his last role was a director on the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes another one a cartoon yeah, yeah. he passed away in 2011 all of his episodes aired in 2012 so posthumously yeah. his episodes all aired
0: very sad but that that's why that show like looks so much the, the best Marvel cartoons were when they just said let's just hire the Batman people like uh, we we're getting our ass beat by Batman let's just hire whatever guys are available from batman
1: and one sad credit that he has he is the director of happily never after two. Oh, the direct to video oh. sequel for happily never after a shrek oh. ripoff
0: man the first one was bad enough Boy. when you read
1: about this one it's like andy dick did not return to voice <laughs> that character again you're like if andy if you can't get Andy dick back
0: Andy Dick's like, nah, no, no, thank you. I'm good. I'm too good for this. Yeah. I found
1: my money for illicit things elsewhere this month. <laughs>
0: uh, you know, I again, boy, you got you to take the pay where it comes in that animation mm-hmm. world. You know, it sucks.
1: And Overseas Animation on this one is by Dong Yang, uh, responsible for some of the better looking episodes. They did a lot of the work on this show. I would yeah. say almost uh, most of the episodes are animated by them.
0: I, I would call Dong Yang the, uh, you know, the workman-like studio who... They were never, the, they, there were all the TMS and TMS adjacent studios like uh, Spectrum or whatever that did some of the best stuff. But Dong Yang, you could count on for like, uh, this is early in their time, but you could count on them for just quality stuff. And that's why like they were the, I think. They did every episode of Batman Beyond, I think. Really? Okay. Or half of them with one other studio. They did
1: most of the second uh, Fox season of the show, which is 20 episodes. And then uh, for a lot of their work, Spectrum actually did layout for Dong Yang. Oh,
0: okay. We're
1: going to be talking a lot about these overseas studios. But my ranking for Korean animation studios from this show is Coco's number one, Uh Dong Yang number two. ACOM number three. ACOM would be fired from this show. They didn't oh, like yeah. ACOM's episodes. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I think, uh, oh yeah, Coco's the one that's TMS associated, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah.
1: And for Japan, I go uh, TMS, Spectrum, Spectrum, and something else
0: mm, boy and then right all the way to the bottom kennedy too yes Yeah. <laughs> we won't talk about any of those though
1: uh we don't need to talk about the intro because we talked about it before in the past but again amazing intro greatest thing it is a dressed up version of the pilot presentation they made uh tms animation i love the painting of batman you see at the end it's all mm-hmm. it's all perfect it's all perfect uh,
0: pure pure affection yes
1: and an amazing title card there are some very good title cards in this show. Some of them are not so good. This is one of the better ones where it just shows you everything about the episode in one image. The Joker's shadow looming over this oh, picture of this family.
0: So good. Yeah. yeah, it tells it does tell you everything you need to know about it. Like it's the one you know when Radomski left uh, for the WB years that really uh, it hurt the show losing this stuff. Like it sets the tone. Like these these yeah. are art unto themselves.
1: They don't want to pay someone to spend two two days on a title card in the WB year. <laughs> Yeah,
0: you know, it's always about tightening the belts at WB. They're like, "Ah, "Any way we can do this cheaper?" Can TMS only do two episodes this year?
1: (laughs) And you hear the uh, the Charlie Collins theme, which Mm. will be played with in many ways we'll talk about it a lot you'll hear it a lot but the show is big on leitmotifs like every oh, yeah. character has a theme even new guys like this guy
0: yeah it's uh back when they had the money for that you know it's it's not a spielberg production but it feels like it just since the spielberg ones were getting that they were able to say like can batman get that too can we get shirley walker and her associates just to do a full orchestration for every episode and it it's so great i also like this the the story for this episode is such like a great paul Dini thing of like him just with this great like kernel of a concept that grows out from there and his I'm sure was born in a Los Angeles traffic jam just going like man, what if, I, that, what if the guy that cut me off is a Joker? Well, what, And I gave him the finger. I mean, we've, we've
1: been in those. I've driven in them. Uh, it sucks. So yeah. I, I've lived the Charlie Collins lifestyle. And what I love about this episode is that uh, they, Fox just needs episodes, right? They're not really watching these guys too closely. This is a story about a middle-aged man yeah. who is sick of his lot in life. I'm watching this as a 10-year-old in 1992, mm-hmm. and I'm into it.
0: It's like, it's a story of your dad being bullied by the Joker if you're a little kid watching it. And it's so, I, I can't believe they yeah i feel like they get watched more closely afterwards they wouldn't get to do these kind of stories uh like batman uh not counting him driving by him at the start of this like batman appears in the third act that's when you see batman in this batman cartoon and you
1: can totally miss batman uh, driving by him in the beginning i think i did on my last watch of this like three years ago mm-hmm. i'm like oh wait the batmobile just goes right by him and you can blink and you miss it <laughs>
0: uh i got yeah the the, and the theme music is just so good this the the, the charlie collins theme and just he's this you know, fat loser with a, with balding, and he knows he's a loser. He's a loser who knows he's a loser.
1: Yeah, he's uh, he's griping out loud to himself at the end of another awful day. Mm. It's just a, a laundry list of complaints. Like the boss turned him down for a raise. His kid needs braces, and his wife is going to make meatloaf for dinner. Mm. And he's like, "When did I become life's punching bag?" Me, oh. Charlie Collins.
0: Yeah, Collins. What a great just like schlub. Like it's this, but it's it's like a schlub from like the '40s too. It yeah, would work the same. And it kind of reminds me of a. Uh, in Will Eisner's spirit comics he would do these like slice of life stories that would just start with some some poor schlub who then runs into the spirit. It, I, I get a feel for that here.
1: Even though his license has 1991 we are not in the year 1991 in this show.
0: No, 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 no. I, I, all the black and white TVs yeah. the, these these parties is such a uh, 40s party. Yeah. All the clothing. Uh, yeah. Batman
1: has computer because he's Batman. So Charlie Collins played by Ed Bagley Jr. because this series is great when it comes to casting character actors Mm -hmm. as uh the characters in the show they don't really stick with voice actors that often actually
0: yeah it's pretty rare if you if uh that was very distracting to me watching like i i flipped on the creeper episode that's way at the end of the series and that has you know a cartoon ass voice as the it's uh jeff right uh, jeff what, bennett jeff bennett yeah and i was like wow uh, jeff bennett is a major role in this that doesn't that makes me think the creeper they actually were planning to do it as a series because like well we could get jeff bennett for a million episodes of creeper if it gets he, if it gets spun off he
1: is available but yeah, yeah ed begley jr uh you might know him best from like the christopher guest movies he's in all of those mm-hmm. he plays like uh sitwell and arrested development yes, the guy whose yeah. eyebrows are always falling off
0: yes their the rich uh nemesis yeah he's he's a guy who's in a million things he's he's one of those character actors he's like oh look at that if you yeah. can't
1: get william h macy ed begley jr <laughs> is available
0: uh yeah it's funny he uh most of the time plays like a a crunchy do-gooder which in real life he is like mm. uh you know a, a very conservationist uh, theme guy he's seen by the aaron sorkins of the world he's seen as hard left by being like a kind of deep blue liberal he's like a
1: rich hollywood liberal but yeah. he seems to be doing good he's uh, like yeah, yeah. he's been doing environmentalism since the 70s so yeah and I've, of course yeah.
0: he is a rich kid too mm-hmm. like he was born he's that junior ain't for nothing his dad was in the industry you know? <laughs> yes
1: the junior's there for a reason he would go on to play uh dr peter corso in batman beyond
0: yeah which uh, was another guy who's like a regular guy forced to do something by evil people so i wonder if that is an intentional casting choice by by Hmm.
1: andrea right we love andrea romano uh so uh charlie suffers three indignities on top of everything he suffered throughout the day where uh the, the ball game isn't playing because there's an escaped madman, right? Who could that be? Uh, read the title card up front. You'll know.
0: Yeah, that's that's so great. You're As a viewer, you're waiting for the Joker. You're like, when's this Joker going to show up? And you're watching this loser talk about it. And they have the, the baseball team in
1: Gotham, the Gotham Knights. That's oh, the name okay. Of the team. Fitting. Yep. Fitting. So uh, he's got to pull aside once as all the cops scream past him. Then the Batmobile is bearing down on him. He's got to pull aside again. And then this uh, station wagon with luggage oh. on top of it cuts him off. My question is, did the Joker kill a family to steal this car.
0: I always, I think that absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think Batman. This shows that Batman also like messed up. Like Batman's going in the wrong direction. Joker's way behind him. <laughs> I, I
1: think, upon watching it now, I don't think I noticed last time, but I, it might be there to signal like the Joker will hurt your family. Yeah. He's he's just done it to get this car. We don't know if they're alive or dead or who had to suffer to get this station wagon that was clearly on the way to some other destination.
0: Yeah, I absolutely believe Joker murdered a family and is driving
1: around in it. Uh,
0: but, but that's why if it was the Joker wagon, like if it was a purple car, the guy yeah. would know it's a Joker and he wouldn't flip him off.
1: I like that it's just a family car, mm-hmm. this uh, unexpected place to find the Joker. <laughs> so let's hear Charlie finally having it. Oh, that's it.
0: No signal, no nothing. Just treat me like I don't exist. Sorry, comrade. Not this time. <laughs> hey, buddy. Yeah, I'm talking to you, clown. You think you're on the whole road? Why, for two cents, i
1: That was the joker. I cussed out the joker. I like how he briefly lapsed into the action version of the Charlie, Charlie Collins theme, which yeah. it still has like the Oompa music in the background, so you don't take uh. it too seriously. But uh, whatever uh. that farty instrument is, is perfect for him.
0: I yeah, it's uh, it's typical for a loser. I got the the look of Joker's grinning face at the guy, like when you see him reveal, like oh what you get, like the Joker's grinning face says. I am so excited that I found a yeah. victim to victimize like oh boy you've <laughs>
1: given me the chance to respond sir and I am in yeah. control and oh. yeah I feel like uh, it was the kid friendly version of this but Charlie shaking his fist and then turning into a wave I feel like Dini really wanted him to have him flip the Joker off and then turn it into a wave Oh
0: yeah, because he's like I cussed out the <laughs> Joker
1: you didn't really cuss him out you called him a clown
0: I, I am certain that uh, they drew middle finger versions of that in the offices yes. I, I feel very sure that yeah I, I'll also just, yeah, cussed out. I mean, yeah, but by that way of saying, like, if I, why, for two cents, like, what a perfect setup for a thing the Joker's gonna, and the way the Joker just very relaxedly puts his hand up, like, he's like signaling, I'm gonna move my car yes. in this lane now. Like,
1: ugh. Charlie cannot escape the Joker. Uh, he's sweating. He jumps <laughs> over a ton of lanes, careens towards the exit. I love the cool trails and the headlights and taillights they add. Yeah, they, not they, digital. Remember, not digital. They
0: kind of drop that. Like, yeah. it's not a, consi- there's many car chases after this and i i think in mask of the phantasm they do it but it's it's pretty rare to see the tracking lights in later episodes yeah
1: so yeah he's driving along this pitch black street he thinks he loses the joker but then the joker pulls out right in front of him oh, i would just t-bone the joker if i yeah. was charlie just Give gun it, it. Shot. like yeah.
0: you know what if i die we'll both die together i but you know he's he's just he doesn't want any trouble i also the great shadow work on both of their faces because they're all lit by just headlights it's it's really good
1: so, yeah, Charlie pulls away from the Joker, just blasts through this fence into a park. His car obviously just stalls out on the hill to make his bad day even worse. <laughs> yep, Another yeah. bad thing happened to him today, and he starts racing up this cliff. He runs out of breath, just slumps against the tree, and that's where the Joker finds him.
0: Mm. There's your two cents. Now, what are you going to do to me? Listen, I'm, I'm sorry, really. I had a bad day. Boss turned down my raise. Now look, my rude friend. We can't have people cursing at each other on the freeway. It's simply not polite. (laughs) Ah,
1: ah.
0: I'm just going to have to teach you some manners. Please, don't. I have a family. A wife, a little boy. Please, I'll do anything to make it up. Anything. Anything, says you? Uh Uh-huh. Okie dokie! Wallet. Well, sure. Uh, I I don't have much cash. No, please! Don't insult me! Charles Michael
1: Collins.
0: That's you! (laughs) Lousy picture, though. Lousy. Address, height, weight. Blah, blah, blah. Righty. Oh, chuckers.
1: So that was the first time the uh, TV viewing audience saw this version of the Joker. Uh, that was his first uh, appearance. and uh, yeah. Different than the Nicholson version. So, Obviously, different than the uh, Romero version as well.
0: A, a perfect introduction to him, man. Just he walks in like you. It's calibrating you for like, you are terrified of this guy. And his. Also, his. This is not a Joker origin story. Like, they're not no. bothering with that. They're just like, you know who the Joker is. You're scared of him. Like, uh, he's, and he's not the clown prince of crime, uh, like, goofball or anything. He's, he's a terrifying guy who, uh, like, talks, like, just gets right in your face.
1: And just broke out of jail. I, I love the framing of him because he is lit by his own car's headlights, standing on a hill above Charlie, mm-hmm. lit from behind. So when Charlie looks up at him, he's like looking at God. Yeah. This thing that is so much more powerful and uh. bigger than him
0: and his hat i love hat joker you know mm-hmm. he doesn't always wear his hat but it's such a great uh it's almost like he it also makes it feel old school it's like i put on my driving hat i'm the joker i'm
1: after watching this again i'm sick of these sloppy jokers yeah i'm sick yeah. of the leto jokers <laughs> and the uh the it's 2019 who's that guy again uh, joaquin the, yeah, phoenix, joaquin yeah, phoenix joker, yeah and even uh, r.i.p heath ledger sloppy yeah. jokers all around let's get a classy joker in there again folks
0: CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com/audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today
1: at carshield.com/audio. That's carshield.com/audio. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands.